Hi there, come up on the porch. We're just sitting here watching it rain and talking about Louisiana. I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. And this is the Louisiana Anthology Podcast, episode 547 for November 11th, 2023. Welcome back. Uh, tonight we talked to Isabel Jacobin. She is uh, French. From France, actually, uh, and uh, she has moved to New Orleans to uh, pursue her art. And um, things kind of best known for are uh, these uh, large pictures of uh, Mardi Gras trees. They're trees with Mardi Gras beads hanging on them. And she does the kind of thick paint uh, that, um, you know, is tactile as well as uh, just colorful and uh, very beautiful stuff. And uh, the other thing she's kind of well known for is. Um, she has a balcony, uh, kind of a, a workspace slash living space uh, on the second floor of a over Rouse's uh, on um, Royal Street. And she takes these great videos of, uh, you know, just the street life. Sometimes it's a band. Uh, sometimes it's, a, you know, a, a wedding mar- a parade, you know, a second line wedding parade. And those are great. And sometimes there'll be like two or three on a Saturday, you know, they just... Keep, keep moving them along. So, uh, yeah, we'll be looking forward to talking to Isabel in a minute. And it, it's like a, I had mentioned to you earlier, it's like a, a bunch of Spanish moss draped over those tree limbs. Mm-hmm. You know, except that it's, this, in this case, it's colorful stuff. You know, it's those beads and, and, you know, multicolored beads. So it's quite a spectacular, you know, image that she uses then for the source for paintings. Right. And um, so, yeah, it's uh a good conversation we had with her, uh, and uh, we'll be talking to her in a moment. But first, this week in Louisiana history. So this week in Louisiana history, another momentous day on November 4th, 1811. The Territory of Orleans met for the Constitutional Convention that preceded statehood. And we should point out, too, that the state or the territory had to meet certain criteria in order to even hold that convention. You know, they had to have a certain population, and there's. I think there were some other things in place, too, that they had to meet. But, they, well, you know, they had met them. And so they were, you know, ready to go and, you know, go to the next step, which would be statehood and become the first state in the West. And I can't remember who uh, our guest was, but because of the, um, you know, it's Creole, it's uh, French and Spanish and uh, Catholic. And uh, so both the, uh, the territory of Louisiana, especially the territory of uh, you know what's now the state and and uh, the United States kind of suspicious of each other and so uh, the United States didn't just come in and set it up they they had the idea that they had to kind of lay the groundwork for democracy so this is not quite a decade after there'd been um, you know the Louisiana Purchase um, and now they're going to be formally a fully functioning member of the uh, you know fully functioning state to the ever to the extent that we've ever been that. <laughs> um, uh, we're going you know, to that was a radical, you think about this, this was a radical uh, retooling of what it meant to be a state at that time because the, the three or four that preceded us after the original 13 colonies would have been Kentucky and Tennessee and Ohio, I think. And so and I think we're the next one after, after that trio. trio. 
it is a super important like uh, crossroads for the United States. Uh, are we going to be an ethno state, kind of semi fascist that it's run for and by white men only uh, and rich white men at that. Yeah, English-speaking, and uh, so we're actually broadening it out a little bit and bringing in these Creoles who uh, speak French and Spanish and who are Catholic and, um, by definition, can't really be in that ethno-state. So it's going toward a you know, big, giant step toward diversity. Uh, yeah, that's what I keep saying. We were the place where American multiculturalism was born, really. If you yes. look at what was living here, and also over the next say five, six decades, what begins to settle here after, you know, after statehood. It's and pretty what, remarkable. What's so important about your insight, you know, we kind of think of it, yeah, we're multicultural, we got, you know, different music and different food, but this is actually about the composition. What does it mean to be an American? Yes. Um, and, yeah, the uh, re-envisioning of the whole American yeah, ideal yeah. and the American ideal as well. And, uh, you know, it's surprising that it went as smoothly as it did, given how big a, you know, I guess the fact that it was still tooled for rich people helped. But, um, you know, um, it, it really was a giant uh, turn in the road, um, you know, and it's going to take a long time to... Well, and you have, so this is 1811, so in the next four years, literally in the time it would take a, a student to get through high school, you have Louisiana defending itself and, and the country against the British yeah. invasion at, at the Battle of New Orleans. So this is a pretty remarkable period and, here where, you know, oh, because the question was, in a wartime setting, would Louisiana defend itself? That was really a fear of a lot of people, particularly up in New England. Well, just let the British come. <laughs> oh, yeah, everything, you know, the French and the Spanish, they... I didn't have a lot to, uh, you know, for didn't didn't love the British overly much. So yeah, it was a good enemy too. But I've I've always thought that kind of cemented our identity. State like we were a lot more positive about being a state, and the country was a lot more positive about it as well. Oh, there are some pretty. If you go back, I've seen these since you and I. Well, since we found that, since I found that last play that you went into ProQuest to retrieve. But the, yeah. the earliest play by Louisiana about the Battle of New Orleans, this is right after the battle now, 1819, and the play becomes a real, uh, itself becomes kind of, you know, a celebratory event because it would be held or would be staged many, many years after the battle was, you know, fought and won. And so if you go look at the newspaper accounts after the battle, so this is 1815 up to about 1816, and you see major, you know, the newspapers of that time, but you see the, the papers in the early American cities like Philadelphia, like Boston, that are raving about, you know, the great victory won in New Orleans. It was a real cause to lab. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it propelled Jackson, the, the victory at um, Battle of New Orleans, propelled Jackson to become president. Oh, know? absolutely, absolutely. Now for uh, this week in New Orleans history, uh, born in New Orleans on November 11th, 1956, Fred J. Luter, Jr. became the first African-American president of the Southern Baptist Convention on June 19, 2012. And I wonder if he and I happen to be at the New Orleans Seminary at the same time. Um, as, uh, it's really possible now that I'm looking at his dates, because if he, if he started right out of college like you did, he, he would have been a, a, just a couple years in front of you, you know? 
we would have naturally kind of uh, overlapped if he went to that seminary. I don't know that he did. But, it would have been super convenient for him if he would just stayed there in town and, you know, just driven a few blocks probably to go to the school. So, Right. And what makes this really critical, uh, specific, you know, our denomination was founded on the proposition of uh, defending slavery. That's why, uh, that's why there is a Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, Prejudice was just kind of built into it, and uh, this is a kind of a giant step away from, uh, you know, from that legacy. Trying to uh, and, and an announcer elected, I should say, because he was elected, because it is right. an elected, uh, elected uh, post. But he was elected on June nineteenth, on Juneteenth Day. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, you know, really historic, d- doubly historic. Uh, and I remember, uh, and I didn't say this as we were recording this the last time, but but you know, there's a <laughs> there was a guy who was on Twitter who was, uh, you know, claiming that he had some sort of inside knowledge of Southern Baptists, and he was purporting to uh, kind of to explain what was going on in the SBC. And I said to him, and some things were coming up about uh, Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and this, that, and the other, and I said, you are aware of the fact. I just texted back to the guy. You know, I posted it on his page. I said, you are aware of the fact that the SBC was born out of racism. (laughs) You know, the ideology was racist, and it was, you know, it was protecting the institution known as slavery. And the guy didn't even say anything back to me. He just he bought me, which is pretty hysterical. But it pointed it pointed out the fact that these people don't want to wrestle with that. They they refuse to wrestle with it. Growing up, I was uh, aware of, um, you know, it wasn't every member, <laughs> but it was certainly, you know, it was certainly pretty widespread. Um, so now for um, this week in Louisiana, yeah, I think this is your. Yeah, yeah. So this week in Louisiana, uh, the city of West Monroe will host the Wild Turkey Three Miler. Yeah, this has got to be a road race. So the Wild Turkey Three Miler. Uh, this a port, and this is for uh, the Grace Place Ministries Incorporated. The event will be held on Main Street in West Monroe on Thursday, November twenty third of this year. Uh, out and back, the race will start on Pavilion. Turn left on Exchange, then right on Watson, left on Grantham, then turn around on Industrial and head back the same way. Uh, there are categories for male and female, masters male and female, 10 and under, 11 to 14, 15 to 19, and 10-year age groups. Registrants will receive a shirt, but you must pick up your shirt in person. Uh, packet pickup will be Wednesday, the 11th, or I'm sorry, 11:22, which is the 22nd of, of, of November, from 1 to 5 o'clock. And that is at 1866 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Uh, and if, you can't, if you can't make it on Wednesday, you can pick up uh, your packet, I guess, on race day. And there's nothing on the website to tip off what kind of race, whether it's foot or a car. But if you look at the, um, the URL, it says run sign up. So it must be a run. And, yeah, it's, it's got to be a road race. It's like those old things that Lorman used to participate in, you know. Road race. Go, go run a road race. Then a road race in, uh, in cars. And uh, also, um, they say three-miler, but then in the URL it's a 5K. So uh, it looks like technically it's going to be a 5K race, um, a foot race. But, yeah, on the road as opposed to uh, – yeah, yeah, it's got to be because I'm looking at their website too, and it's got a it's got a uh, a track shoe at the very top of the page, which kind of implies it will be a road race and not a car. <laughs> I can't see them racing cars through West Monroe, so 
That would be something, but uh, <laughs> and three miles just isn't enough distance to have a, much of a car race. Uh, no. So, all right. So this week's postcard from Louisiana. I uh, go to listen to one of my. Uh, she was. Uh, we both played in the band together back in the seventies. Patty Rambin. She never quit, and she now has her own band, uh, and they go around singing music. And so I listen to her and her band in Monroe, Louisiana.
on to interview with Isabel Jacobin. I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. Okay. With Isabel Jacobin. How close was that? Yeah, it still was not too bad. <laughs> Isabel, <laughs> Isabel Jacobin. Jacobin. <laughs> oh, I'll keep working on it. And, uh, Jacobin. <laughs> Jacobin, yes. Bienvenue sur le Lupancas. The Anthology de la Louisiane. Uh, trying to say oh. welcome to the Louisiana Anthology podcast. I'm not sure Merci. if that was recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> and you are an artist uh, living on Royal Street, but originally from France itself. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And I live uh, Cornell Royal and Saint Peter Street in the in the French Quarter. So I'm I'm glad to. Uh, to see the world from Royal Street and St. Peter, and there are two different streets, uh, two different atmospheres, and I, I like that. Yes, you live right above Rouse's, I believe, if I, uh, judging by the... Yes, it's a cool... It's a cool spot. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's always something going on on Royal Street uh, before COVID, it was a pedestrian street, like they had uh, blocked it's off still, the cars. Yes, it's still the same thing. It's the same thing. Ah. It's, uh, the street is uh, close <laughs> to, tra to, to traffic uh, between 11 and 5. That's good, because, uh, you know, there are like two pedestrian streets in the city. One's Bourbon Street. We all know what goes on there, um, and more power to them. But Royal Street, a couple of blocks over, maybe one block. And one block, totally just one block. Yeah, totally different feel, totally different vibe. Oh, um, yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about living on Royal State? I mean, yeah, Royal. At this corner, I, I just love that. I, it's a lot of um, life, and it's a, it's a lot happening there. You can just sit on the balcony from the morning to the night. It's like watching a movie with... Uh, with everything like dramas, uh, music, costume people, um, you know the Ben Jaffe with the manager of the Preservation Hall um, said for an interview describing this corner, he said that's our uh, Times Square because yes, it's, yes, it's uh, really the heart of the French Quarter. It really is, and. Um a lot of times you'll see uh, Doreen, the clarinet queen with her band, yeah. uh, out in front of Rouse's. But there, that's just a continual, like, uh, you know, when one band finishes up, another comes out, or a singer, or, you know, just a lot of talent that you get to uh, hear. Oh, yes. Uh, now, it does say a lot about your character, because uh, there are <laughs> many people who have moved to the French Quarter in New Orleans and I've uh, been there about a couple of weeks and I show up at a city hall meeting wanting to put in a noise board. <laughs> like, I know. Guys, that's why we've got memory. It's quiet, you know. <laughs> you don't I, want to. Yeah. I, I have a place in, in France. I, I go generally a few months during the summertime and it's such a small village, uh, 300 inhabitants. That's if, if at night you hear a dog barking, you go to the city hall and you say, last night there was a dog. <laughs> so, 
It's a different story here. Well, and, um, you know, that's, like you say, it's kind of the heart of the French course, especially during the day. It's kind of the daytime hub, whereas at night, most of it shifts over to Bourbon Night, too, night, too, because I am like, the, 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 the limit of my balcony is like half a block from Bourbon Street, and yeah. across the street from me is Pat O'Brien. Then you have Preservation Hall. Right. Uh, so it's a busy street as well, and uh, when there is a special event, like this weekend was the Red Dress Run and the Dirty Linen Night, it was just... Uh, People and people <laughs> going from Bourbon Street, from Royal Street to Bourbon Street. So it can be it can be noisy, and I'm used oh, to yeah. that. I, yes, I, it's the price to pay. Too. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Bourbon is this giant magnet, and uh, as magnets do, it either pulls people in or pushes them away, depending on their own character. And the fact that uh, yes. this is great for you is awesome because. You'll be somebody that's supporting our culture and, um, you know, um, not trying to. You know, I've heard some people say they, uh, 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 there are people in town that want to turn New Orleans into Savannah. It's just not, you know, and it's not supposed to be. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, also, we want to uh, help you to... Uh, advertise your wares and you are a, uh, a painter so why don't you tell us a little bit about your style of painting and uh, um, yeah like um, so first I can say that New Orleans is a big big inspiration for me uh, I yeah, love right. colors and, um, and New Orleans is so colorful so I spent everything about New Orleans like uh, like Mardi Gras, Justice, the uh, uh, wind, you were mentioning the wind, so, so I painted the wind several times. Just even the musicians from, from my balcony or uh, the, the second line weddings, for example, I love that. And there's a lot uh, every weekend, so that's the subject. But everything... Everything New Orleans. I, I, I don't have difficulties to find a subject to paint. And I well, and uh, excuse and me. Go ahead. People, sorry, for people who are not in the know, um, the second line parade started out as a funeral thing and then developed as a neighborhood march. And now mm -hmm. it is fully, you know, uh, in, entrenched on Royal Street with the, uh, you know. Uh, like endless <laughs> wedding uh, jazz bands yes. and uh, jazz marches and, and it's great you know people come make New Orleans a destination wedding and, and um, you know they and you all their life. oh yes a lot of weddings but also uh, birthday celebrations and, and some memorial for for people who passed away, so it's w a lot of weddings, mostly weddings, but not just that. It, uh, we have very, very, we have a lot of, of, of second lines, and uh, I think it's easy now for for you to rent a, a brass band and just no, have, yeah. your, have your party. Like like uh, two weeks ago, it was 
the, the 19th birthday for for old lady. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yes, so cute and um, and it was hot and she was taking her time <laughs> walking, but she was she had a very festive <coughs> outfit and uh, most of her friends were in wheelchairs behind. It was so cool, a good brass band, uh, umbrellas. Um, uh, did you post a video of that? I, I swear, I remember I seeing uh, I did, yes. yes. Right, right, because uh, it was the, uh, the second line full of the like, little rascal, uh, uh, you know, moped kind of thing for uh, people who can't walk. In, you know, yes. it's motorized. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so maybe it was three weeks ago, but it's not that long ago. So you can find I, I it remember on Instagram. It. Yes. And one of the things that seems to uh, have um, inspired a, a lot of the uh, pictures that show uh, the uh, Mardi Gras trees, and there's a tradition in New Orleans of uh, hanging Mardi Gras beads on trees. Is it, you know, out of doors, and sometimes you'll see them inside like, a, you know, they've got the Christmas tree, uh, 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 the, the artificial, so it doesn't yeah. turn brown, and uh, they take off the uh, Christmas uh, red and white and put on the green and gold, <laughs> yeah. now we've got yeah. our Mardi Gras tree. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and it's a... It's a great subject for me because I love, love colors and um, you can't get wrong when you paint a Mardi Gras tree because you, you do, like people do when they throw beads, you don't think before, you just put the colors you want and, 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 and more and more and more and um, they all are different and it's like, a, it's like a, a, a symbol of joy and um, a celebration on the tree. Yes, and I started to 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 paint this subject just at the beginning of uh, the confinement, at the beginning of COVID, and um, so I I started to and it was like small paintings, and I started to to post on Instagram, and people were reacting so well because for them it was. A symbol of joy. They were unable to come to Mardi Gras, um, so it was just um, uh, a symbol of something happy in New Orleans. Yeah, and uh, New Orleans shut down right after Mardi Gras, which uh, is like, it's like uh, you know closing the barn door after the horse gets up. We had had a super spreader event, and apparently it was more like the indoor partying than the parades. Uh, outdoors seems to be fairly safe, but, you know, people stay out there. And so we were closed down and pretty thoroughly for, I guess, about a year and a half. And then it didn't just come back all at once. But I got to say, seeing the crowds I'm seeing when I, I go down to the French Quarter these days, it looks like it's back. Is that oh, yes. oh yes, oh yes, absolutely. And yes, yesterday's French Quarter was full of red dresses. Oh, <laughs> so, it was yeah. so, so funny, and they were so. It was red dresses um, all over the place all day, and then 
little by little came this transition to the white linen because people were right. in in white just to walk the galleries and well, uh, go from one one gallery to another one. So it was really really pleasant. It was full of life. Yesterday was such a, a busy day and uh, in the happy happy meaning of that. Yeah, you don't have this. Uh, White linen, like where everybody wears their white linen, maybe sheer sucker, and <clears throat> they go from one store to another, and they use some bands playing. But then a couple of weeks later, they have the dirty linen night, and that's from the old thing. That, so know. that last night was dirty linen because the white linen was the week before on Julia yeah. Street. On Julia. Yes. So last n uh, not last night, but last Saturday was dirty linen. Yeah, and dirty linen is a uh, a saying we have. I'll show you dirty laundry. It's um, like exposing family secrets that you don't want to get out. You know, so it's kind of a fun pun that they made. Um, calling it dirty linen night. Yes. Yes. So it was a pleasant event. It was really, really cool. And it's the first time, it's my first summer in New Orleans because generally I'm in France at this time of the year, but <laughs> not this year. So it was, a, it was really pleasant. I, I, I didn't know this event and I'm, I enjoyed myself. And my, <laughs> I opened my studio to public and so I had a lot of, of traffic in my studio as well. Uh, it, it, it was pleasant. Oh, why don't you tell our folks? where your studio is so they can come in and shop when they're in town. Yes, yeah, so I, first I have to say that people have to, to call or text me before because it's not mm. a shop, it's a studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is, uh, people love to discover my studio because it's different. It's, uh, oh, excuse me, I have to answer just a second. Oh, sure. Well, Stephen, have you had a chance to look at any of your paintings? I've been, I was washing dishes when you called because I didn't right. discover it until you came, I mean, until I came back in this bedroom where the phone was. Well, uh, it seems to me, and we'll verify, we'll verify this with her, but I think it's all on canvas, but I think it's kind of those thick dollops, just judging is by the way like, it looks. Uh, so. is, it street, is it street scenes? Is that what? She's painting. Is it what? Yes. Yeah, so kind of a street theme, so she'll do the second line. And it seems, uh, the style seems rather, um, not abstract. What's one before? Uh, impressionistic. Impressionistic, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, impressionism is all about the color. And so uh, it's a good style to use for uh, the French Quarter. It's kind of impressionistic place anyway. Um, you know, some people are, are out on a tired, they've drunk a lot, and everything's getting kind of blurry. Um, but that's what I want to find out. Is this all on canvas? Is she, uh, is she uh, making the, um, you know, the big book? Excuse okay. me, so it's done. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Great. And uh, we were just talking about the, the way you paint. Is it all on canvas? It kind of looks like that over, you know, when I look down 
stuff on the Facebook. So yes, um, first I I stretch my the canvases myself because oh, cool. I I I love to use a, um, a, a raw linen, very good quality of canvas. So yeah. I I like to stretch them my, myself. Cool. So that's, that's the beginning. So it allows me to to do the size I want. I have right. a different stretcher. And uh, yes, it's oil, and I just paint with palette knives. I don't use brushes. I just, uh, because I love when there's a texture. I was telling Stephen while you were uh, uh, running your errands that it's my impression these are kind of thick, like a lot of oil right on the canvas, and they're kind of almost uh, raised up. It, you yes. can feel the texture with your fingers. Uh -huh. you yes, yes. Uh, yes, and it's, uh, I, I like the fact, I like how the light play with this texture, like in the morning. Oh, I yeah. Have, I have direct sun coming to, to my studio, and uh, it, it, it really pops up the, 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 the palette knife work, and uh, I, I, I like that. Yeah, and uh, it, it looks to me also like your style is uh, impressionistic, which I was telling Stephen, it's a great, uh, you know, approach to use for the front yes. quarter, since, since it's already kind of an impressionistic kind of place, you know, everybody sees what they bring to it. Yes, <laughs> and that's exactly that I want, because with palette knife, you, you, you don't go into the small small details so you give more an impression so right. like like if I uh, right now I'm looking at one of uh, my jazz fest painting if you look at the crowd it just touches of color and uh, next to each other but if you go if you look far you say oh but there are people probably so I like to give an impression not to be right. too precise not put uh, two little eyes and a little nose I and I love to paint fast and 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 um, uh, palette knives work allow you to to paint fast. Yeah, I don't have talent for drawing, and I'm not really that great a photographer, but I take a ton of pictures. And so, just by you know law of averages, there's often one of them's going to look all right. <clears throat> and I was on a streetcar one day when. It just started flooding outside. You know, you couldn't, you could hardly see out of the windows. And I took a picture of it. It's one of my favorite because it's an impressionistic picture. Nothing, yes, nothing I, focus. Huh? I, 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 it's like I can't see the picture. Yes, I like that. Yes. Let's, so, let's uh, get to you. Let's get to your background yeah, uh, yes. as a as a painter as a creative person what uh you know what what led you into painting where did you study painting or you or or are you self-taught kind of delve yes. into that if you would i am self-taught and i always love to especially to draw because i didn't have access just to to paint just uh, so but as a little girl very very young i always i i all i remember i was always attracted to uh, to drawing or creating something, and um, 
it was not I was not raised in a art uh, family because my parents were butchers, pork butchers. Uh, yeah. We say. We say charcuterie in France. Yes, yes. We've got a uh, restaurant called that. Yes, so it was everything about the pig and the pâté and everything. So uh, I was raised in this uh, uh, world, uh, so no access to art. Uh, I think the first time I saw something related to art was on a, a chocolate box, uh, Sometimes they had some uh, prints of famous painters, and I, I remember. Right. I remember my first one was a, a painting by Renoir, and I said, "Wow!" I said to myself, "What?" And I was young, maybe five or six. I said, "Huh? I, it, it, it's not a, a photograph, and who?" Who are these women, all white and fat, and uh, who accept to be <laughs> naked on a box of chocolate? I was kind of shocked. I was uh, <laughs> not traumatized, but it was my, I think it's my conscious, my first conscious uh, uh, contact with art. But I was, yeah. uh, I, I was always uh, attracted to draw, um, and, um, uh, I had to make my living early in life, so I started uh, when I was 17. I I purchased a few yards of uh, silk, and some some paint, and I I started to paint uh, scarves and um, and lampshades uh, on silk, and uh, I was I was selling them on the market in. In Brittany, France, in um, oh yeah, yes, and I did well, so it be, it became my my job when I was eighteen. That, that was my job. I was making my living with that, and uh, uh, it was it was always painting was always my living, always. Well, you probably have a real rapport with the, uh, the street painters that hang out behind uh, in Jackson Square and behind the cathedral. And, and down the alleys, you know, there's just tons of people that come out, and that's their job is, uh, you know, yes. selling their art on the street. <coughs> oh, yes, <coughs> yes. So a few, let's say, uh, it was my job for, for uh, on silk for, for 10 or 15 years, and and then one day I I discovered pastels, and I really, right, right, really right. love working with pastels. So I... I, it started to be my um, my new medium, and um, I painted with pastel for oh, ten or I don't know, I don't know, my but a lot of years. And my first trip to New Orleans was probably twenty six, twenty seven years ago, and um, and I I I was painting with pastels at this time, uh, and I found a gallery and. Um, so it was like French landscape with pastel, and I did very, very well. Um, I, I really, I sold a lot of poppy fields and uh, uh, the French countryside. And then in 2004, I had a trip to Cuba. And oh, back, cool. from, back from this trip, I said to myself, I want to be able to paint bigger with the texture. 
So right. all my friends, artist friends, say, oh no, Isabel, oil is not for you because you like to paint fast and oil takes a long time to dry. And I say, let me let me try. And I I'm self-taught and I don't like to drink to to read books about how how you should paint. So I like to to have experiences. So I just purchased a few tubes of oil. And I started, it was a, a Cuban scene, and I remember right. I, start, I started uh, with a brush, and uh, oh, after 30 minutes I said, no, that's not for me, because it takes longer to clean your brush than, than, than painting, so I, and I'm so glad I had one palette knife, so I, I just left the brush, and I, I, I took the palette knife, and it was so smooth and so easy to use and so easy to clean. I said, that is what I, I want. <laughs> so well, the palette knife is naturally uh, not very useful if you're doing the thick layers of paint. Mm -hmm. That's what they use palette knives for is to put paint on the palette and it's pretty thick and then you, you know, use that paint off of, but you're just using it, skipping a step and going directly to the canvas. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I like the fact that um, I never knew how to do that. So um, I tried. And I'm still like that. Like I love to try. I love to buy a new, I don't know, new type of canvas, a new type <coughs> of paper, a new pen, a new, and try what, what I can do with that. It's always discovering different things. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, I didn't read books about how you're supposed to paint with oil or because I'm totally the opposite. I just do <laughs> what I feel for, like uh, what I like. And uh, uh, so it's very uh, uh, not academic. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's a very heart of art and literature, though, the <laughs> idea of experimentation, right? I mean, you the artist or the sculptor or in, in literature, the writer, the author, should be about experimenting. Uh, yes, it's not huh? the character, then with storytelling. You know, the way, that you, the way that the writer presents the narrative, the way the writer arranges the details, the way the writer uses setting and, and the, various, you know, the various elements of fiction in order to convey, you know, the, the material that they're trying to convey or the ideas they're trying to convey. And I would think the artist would be doing the same thing. They're, they're always yes. experimenting. Uh, but we are all different. We all are different, and um, so some some people need to to learn with someone. And then, like I, I I traveled to to Beijing one like several years ago, and I like to sketch. Like I sit on the bench or on the sidewalk, and I I sketch just uh, with ink or pencil, and several. It's a good way to communicate when you travel because even if you don't speak the same language, uh, there's a way to communicate with when you draw, when you paint. And so several artists stopped by to look at how I was uh, sketching, and and uh, the young ones were speaking English, so we were able to communicate <laughs> a little bit, and um, they were asking me, it was always the question, oh, so who did you study with? And I was uh, kind of 
proud to say, oh, just myself. And they were looking at me like, oh, poor girl. Because, <laughs> because in, in, in China, you need to, you, you say the name of your master uh, right, right, right. first, and you say, oh, I studied for 10 years with my master, I don't know the master, yeah, no master. And so it's a different different way to, different culture. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, I feel free because I, since I didn't learn, I feel free to do everything I want. <laughs> sure, sure. And I had a technical question about pastel paint. Like, um, do you do something to uh, the regular wall painter? Uh, I know pastel sometimes it's watercolors, but I don't. I think that'd be kind of hard to do with the palette. So, what's, what's the method for uh, you know getting pastels? Oh no, when I was. Um, working with pastel, it was, you know, pastel, uh, it was not oil pastel, it was like ah. chalk, like chalk, right. like, like charcoal, uh, but with oh, color. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I using, no, no, I started palette knife when I started oil, but before I was just using the pastel, like, uh, like if I draw, um, you know, it, it, it's a soft pastel, it was soft pastel, and very pleasant. Very pleasant because there's a big variety of beautiful bright colors. So it's right. Um, yes, I enjoyed doing that. So, um, what city are you from originally? Like, where'd you grow up? So I was born in in, in Brittany, France. Okay. I, I spent my childhood in Brittany, and then uh, as an adult, I. I, I went As I recall, that's Western France, kind of across from Great Britain, I suppose. Oh, say that again? Uh, from what I understand, Brittany is in Western France, yes. like, toward yes. the Atlantic. Okay. Exactly. And actually, my village was, uh, if you look at the map, my village is the, the closest to America. <laughs> it's oh. very like at the end, the end of the... Of the world, it's on the seaside and very <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I was just wondering, I've, you know, everybody knows about the connection between New Orleans and France, but we were, the, you know, after the French governed, there was a, a period about as long of the Spanish, and they did a lot of the rebuilding after the fire. And so yes. I've heard people say that architecture is not so much France as it is no. Caribbean. So. Does it remind you more of your village when you go around uh, New Orleans or no, Cuba? No, no, more Cuba. Actually, yes, yes. It's Spanish style, huh? yes. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't see anything French-looking in the architecture here. Well, and even the, uh, one, one of the few original houses still standing is uh, Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop on Bourbon that's Street. More, yes, that's more the... I, uh, yes, close to the French style, yes. Well, and they say it's a Creole cottage, that it was a kind, you know, it was designed to uh, be built here in the semi-tropical areas and uh, use local, uh, you know, local, uh, like they would use mud to make plaster and stuff like mm. that. So, mm. so, yeah, but, yeah, the, the, the modern face of the French Quarter really more has to do with the Caribbean the Spanish uh, style of 
colonial building, uh, what yes. I've understood. And yes. the, the colors make me think of the Mediterranean. I mean, I look at those, a lot of those pastels, and then if you yes. look at, my aunt was from Sicily, her, her people were from Sicily, uh, but they had, you know, her grandparents and so forth had all grown up in California. And, I mean, I've seen pictures of stuff like that that she's shown of some of them that have gone back to Sicily, and you see those kinds of pastel colors in that part of the world. I think it's it's not just for a aesthetic quality. You know, it, it is very beautiful to look at, but it also reflects the sunlight back, uh, so that it yes. doesn't you know, get quite as hot. Uh-huh, so it's got a, it's uh-huh. got a utilitarian function as well as an aesthetic function. Yes, yes, and probably also the 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 the, the soil, the the ground they were finding. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, huh? Because, look, um, uh, Greece is all white, 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 and Mm -hmm. we have a lot of sun. So um, it's probably like the color you find on the soil as well. Uh, It reminds me a little bit some villages in the south of France. You can find some pink, some uh, uh, orange colors. um, Mm -hmm. Very but cheerful, kind of yes. very cheerful, kind of colors. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, Brittany is more like a, a stone, very heavy stone walls, and and then I I moved to to the southwest uh, in the Dordogne area, which is a very very interesting part of France. Um, the Dordogne is well known for the caves like uh, Lascaux, for example. Lascaux is famous all over the world, and uh, um, you have caves everywhere, like the village next to mine. You have maybe 250 caves. Uh, it's a lot of castles as well. It's a lot of history and prehistory in this area, and I love it. I just love it. Yeah, so... Uh Tell us how you came to, I know you've visited before, but what was it like to um, make up your mind to come here and, uh, you know, paint in, uh, in New Orleans for a while? So, um, my first trip to New Orleans was, like I said, like maybe 26 or 27 years ago. It was, I rented a place in the French Quarter, uh, and um, I think... I realized the day after I arrived that a part of my life would be there because I was feeling so, like, comfortable, like if I know people, I, I met friends, I met a gallery, and it was just, everything was natural. Uh, so that was my first trip, and since I found a gallery, they invited me to to openings, like two or three oh, cool two or three times a year, so I was coming uh, on a regular basis, and um, and then when my kids became adults and they didn't need me uh, full-time, they had a job, they had a family, I said, huh, I will, it's time to, to have my big adventure, and I went yeah. to the French Quarter, and I I, I'm, I never, never, ever regretted that. I am still so happy every morning when I wake up. <laughs> and actually, my, <laughs> my, my granddaughter, she's 10 now, and her name is Nola. 
like New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Huh. Yes. And, you know, when people buy those big paintings in New Orleans, generally they want a New Orleans <laughs> scene. So it's like, uh, you know, you want to draw New Orleans, but also uh, you want to sell that stuff. Yes, of course. So what was your question? Uh, I was, I'm, it was more than an observation. So how did you find the spot where you are? Because it seems like, um, you know, it's a very prime location. Anybody yes, to be I in think, the French Quarter. Yes, I, I have a good fortune, good luck, good stars above my head <laughs> with New Orleans because... I was coming uh, uh, to the grocery store. There was a sign, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to make a long so story short, and that's it. <laughs> so that's cool. Cool. And, oh, and and I was first for nine years. I I was living in the apartment next door, so still the same building, but the, the apartment right. was was smaller and. Uh, Three years ago, when this one, just at the corner, St. Peter and Royal, when this apartment became available, I said, oh, I, I, I want to live there. So now I, I enjoy so much having access to St. Peter Street and to Royal and have this angle. It's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. And you do, like, sometimes you'll take a shot and... I'll show one of your videos, and uh, you yes. can see down the street, there's Bourbon Street. It's yes. close enough to here, but, again, you know, you move from one street to another in New Orleans, and um, it can be a big difference in the in just the culture of, of what's going on there. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, yes, I see that you, you know the difference between Royal and, 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 and Bourbon, and it's just one oh, yeah. way. And uh, this street, because of Preservation Hall, not too far, right. it, it creates like an atmosphere. It creates something special. Yeah, Preservation Hall, and I'm not sure why, maybe because it's got the reputation, but... Um, You'll have people waiting down the street to get into just like a Tuesday night set, you know. Yes, and one time. Yeah, they get too many bands over on Frenchman Street. I don't have to wait on. I usually, uh, if I want to hear the local music, I'll uh, I'll head over that way. But uh, yeah, it, it draws in a ton of people. I guess mostly tourists, because but there are local. Holy special. Uh, because it's like the really classic musicians, like yes. um, Preservation Old Band, is right, like the right. old, like Charlie Gabriel, who is 91 year old, and all the classic musicians, and also, and it's just good music, but kind of old jazz um, most of the time. Right. It's, it's also probably the only club you can go with kids. Uh, because they don't sell alcohol, so you can take <laughs> your kids. You can take your kids to preservation right. hall, and they have a lot of programs for the kids, for the schools, and uh, you can just go with your kids. And there's not that much clubs who allow that. And unfortunately, or, or maybe fortunately, but uh, you know, for generations uh, kids could go anywhere. <laughs> 
pretty much in New Orleans, but they've cracked down. Like uh, they card me, and I'm 65, you know. And if uh, if you've got a kid with you, they're not getting in the music bar because of the bar part of it. Even if they weren't going to drink, you know, they just won't let them in. Yes. They're afraid yes. of legal repercussions. I mean, that's the whole point. Because then you've got to get yes, court, you know, you've got to fight you, charges and all that business. Uh, you can go if it's a restaurant. You can go with right. the, the kids right. to the restaurant. Yes. And there are a lot of restaurants that have music. Um, but Preservation Hall, you can also count on it being kind of the old stuff where um, if you go up and down Frenchman Street, it's hit or miss, you know. One group's playing stuff from the 30s, the other's doing bounce, you know, just really, you know, modern modern versions of uh, New Orleans music. But I kind of like that. Uh, I love the old stuff. You, you know, know, there's a club on Bourbon Street because some people are tempted to say that there's no good music on Bourbon Street. But if you look close, you can find like the Fritzel, for example. Fritzel, it's a really small bar, small club, very yeah. good quality of music. So that's more in the, the, the like the old style, but very very good musician. You have the right. Royal Sonesta on, um, at the other end of Bourbon Street. Royal Sonesta, they have a club open. Yeah seven days a week and so you if you look close you can find some decent music on Bourbon Street. Well and what they mean when they say uh, this isn't the good music it's it's very technically proficient but a lot of what you hear on Bourbon Street uh it is a live band but they're playing just general songs uh that you hear on the radio. So uh yes. you know, uh it's it's not New Orleans music by and large. Yes, but um, in some bars or some clubs, yes. But keep an, an ear open uh, when you walk there, and sometimes you can you can say to yourself, "That's a real good music." Yeah. So yes, uh huh. Well, and typically it's boomer music, like uh, uh, music for people my age uh, who were part of the baby boom. So. You know, these are old favorites of mine, but, you know, they just mm -hmm. don't, they did not originally emerge from the New Orleans culture or something else. Yes, yes. But, you know, New Orleans is so, you have so many musicians that you, you can find everything you want. Old style. Yes. I like totally. that because we don't want to stay, in my opinion, uh, confined in a, like, like New Orleans style, uh, yeah. you know, I, 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 now you can listen to like uh, Louis Armstrong, grandkids. So they, right. yes, you can. There are some really cool young musicians inspired because it's their roots, inspired by by Louis Armstrong jazz. But they they do some hip hop on top, and they are. That's how music stay. Alive. Exactly. And, uh, yes, not mm. just trapping a pattern that, uh, I, I, and that's. It's a, it's a, it's an effect. It's like a creative transfusion of a sort, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. Instead, uh -huh. Of, a, instead of a blood transfusion, it's a creative. Or a yes. Yes. Exactly. Transfusion. This is why I always uh, 
enjoyed that so much that in festival or jazz fest or any festival, you have from the five years old kids to the grandparents, 80, 90 years old, it's all generation um, in the same time. Uh, and that's so cool. I, I went last week uh, to Sashmo Fest, and again, you have all type of ages, uh, um, kids, and um, everybody is dancing together. I, I, I love that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's, and it's been that way for a long time. I guess you've, uh, you're aware of uh, your uh, French writer Simone de Beauvoir. Um, Beauvoir? And maybe she wrote the second sex, which is a real famous work in a feminist uh, theory. Um, let me see. that. Yes, Simone de Beauvoir, B-E-A-U-V-O-I-R. Oh, Simone uh, de Beauvoir, Simone de Beauvoir, Beauvoir. Yes. Yeah. yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you for saying it right. <laughs> um, she wrote a book about her uh, tour of America, and um, the, the one on New Orleans is great because, uh, you know, she's landed in the city in, what is this, the 40s, 40s, 50s. And, yes, and uh, <laughs> all, all of the, uh, you know, people at the White Hotel she's staying at are trying to direct her to, um, you know, the, the parts of the city where white people usually went because this is before immigration, right? Yeah. And uh, she keeps telling them, no, 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 I want to I hear the black jazz. Where can you find the black jazz? Or maybe it was Negro jazz. But it, it, it comes across, uh, you know, a very, uh, you know, like, she finally found it. Like she has a, a, a description of uh, sitting in the bar with the uh, you know the black band and playing the mm -hmm. real jazz. She knows where the real jazz came from and wanting all these white people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, I'm next to my village in the southwest of France is a castle. The name is Chateau de Milande. And this castle used to be the property of Josephine Baker. The, oh, wow. Do you, do you wow. know her? Yes. Yes, of course. So Josephine um, came to this area. Of, uh, she has such a beautiful story. And so rich of, <laughs> from, from her, her birth. She was born in Missouri, I think. And she was subject of... Uh, um, uh, racism and, and she was unable to make uh, to, 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 to express um, creativity and dancing and singing here in America so she moved to France and she became a star and right. yes yeah, so it's so interesting so she was really embraced wasn't she by the for the French people I mean she was didn't she participate in the resistance during World War II exactly it's so it's so interesting to visit her castle, and I did not that long ago, because it's all uh, her story in one place, uh, her part of how active she was in the resistance, uh, also how she adopted 12 kids from different countries, and she was calling her kids the Rainbow Tribe, because she had kids from uh, every color. And um, 
It's and actually she uh, last year or two years ago she became she 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 was the first woman in the Pantheon in Paris. Do you remember that there was a big ceremony? The first woman and black uh, person. Right, right, right. Yes, so it's so important. But sometimes you you are most well known in, in a foreign country than your own land. But yeah, it's like it's like the French version of the Hall of Fame, uh, which is what we call stuff here because we're Americans. <laughs> um, so yeah, she was she was quite the uh, the splash, and um, it just goes to show what a, a tragedy it is that America has been saddled with so much uh, discrimination, prejudice. Yes. A, a lot of our artists, like Sejour, are you familiar with them? With what's the name? Victor Sejour. I didn't hear the name. Uh, Victor Sejour, S-E-J-U-R-E, or something like that. S-E-J-U-R. Oh, Segur. Ah, uh-huh, is that how you say it? Segur. And um, he's a very, he's much more famous as a writer in France than he is even in New Orleans. Like, uh, uh-huh. I've never heard of him before I started the carpet. But, you know, he, he, uh, he was a Creole of color, free man of color, who down to France, which mm-hmm. was not uncommon. People from New Orleans, especially sons, not so much daughters. They would yeah. go over there and go to school and then come back. But he found it so liberating to be there that he stayed and just, you know, kept writing plays and novels and stuff. He has a tremendous output. Oh, and look at Edgar Degas, the painter, the French painter Degas. The, yes, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> uh huh. So that's great because art is such a good way of expression, of communication, that uh, you're bringing a little bit of your culture somewhere. Like, like you, um, you probably remember that the the French president came to visit New Orleans last October. I think it's October. Oh, yes. It was a huge crowd thing. Yes. It was very popular here. Yes. (laughs) So he came, he visited the French Quarter. He saw me on the balcony because I have a a French flag. He waved at me, but that's not what what I wanted to to tell. But we have every 21st of June, La Fête de la Musique. It's the music fest in France. Uh, so this year, who was playing for the Fête de la Musique uh, at l'Elysée, at the, 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 the French president uh, uh, office and house? And it was uh, John Baptiste, um, it was James Andrew. Um, so it was. They were just New Orleans musicians because uh, <coughs> uh, the president, the French president, when he came, he he loved so much New Orleans that mm-hmm. he, he he right away he planned some New Orleans music for the the the, the Fête de la Musique. So. That's, oh, cool. That, that's so cool, yes. And I was at the French consulate uh, recently, 
for a reception a party and um, there was um, Greg Lambusi who is the, 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 the director of uh, the jazz museum here and he was we talked together because he was part of the trip like bringing all these New Orleans musicians to to the the most prestigious uh, house in, in Paris uh, with the president so that, I think that's a good symbol. I, I like that. Totally. And you know, New Orleans in Louisiana in general has very deep fondness for our French roots. Like, uh, <clears throat> say, you know, about a hundred years ago, around this time, uh, when we started universal education for kids. Yes. The powers that be decided we will only speak um, English at school, and moreover, I would catch I kids speaking English will paddle them. So uh, we kind of lost our patrimony. Imagine what an advantage it would be if every Louisianan spoke yes. French as well as they speak English. It's yes. Not always that well, but it would be something, right? Oh yes, I, I was uh, like six or seven years ago the art teacher at Ecole Bilingue. And it's so cool when you see the little kids, they are four years old, and they don't speak a single word of French at the beginning. At the end of the year, they are fluent. And uh, that's so great to, 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 to hear how they can play bilingual in the, in the play, playground. And it's so good to, right. have, to, to be able to communicate with uh, <coughs> different languages. And the kids, they know how to do that. And I believe the Whitney and maybe uh, Laura Plantation, they have actual tours in French, and there's probably some in New Orleans, too, that I don't know about. Well, the great, the great irony to me is oh, that yes. a lot of the kids who are Anglo, they have you know English ancestry like I do. Well, it turns out that way back before that, my ancestors were French. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, and they were from Normandy, actually. Uh, they were some okay. of the... Norman Knights that went across the channel into England in 1066. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, but yeah, they were very, I mean, from two different lines, they were Normans. Uh, okay. One was uh, named Bevel, or it's pronounced in English as Bevel, and the other was uh, Chappelle. Well, that's very French. Chappelle, that's very it's, French. It's Norman French at that. And I will tell you, when, you, when you're doing the cultural French stuff uh, in New Orleans, keep it out for our French teacher from Tech. Her name's Daliana Hertig, and... Uh, she went to um, Ursuline Academy, um, which is the oldest girls' school in the country, by the way, and, um, you know, learned French and just kept learning French, and now she's a French teacher, and she does a lot with the uh, consulate. I know she's kind of friends with <coughs> whatever they call the, I don't think he's an ambassador, <laughs> whatever they call the, the guy that runs the things. Yeah, it's the consul, yes. Okay, okay. Well, that makes sense, because it's a consulate. Yes. So I feel I've been going close to an hour. Have we missed anything you would like to uh, tell us about? Oh, um, <laughs> there's so much to say about New Orleans, but just I would say a big thank you to the city for welcome, <laughs> welcoming me so well and uh, making me really, really... A part of New Orleans, I feel like I am really um, 
I'm not a scrumger anymore. I, I'm, right, right. Well, I, I, do like the, I do like the several paintings that you've got. I have to say this because they're so beautiful, but I have a connection to these things. You painted, painted a lot of horns. I think some tubas, and uh, there might have been a oh, trumpet. Yes, my, dad was, yes. my dad was a trumpet player. So oh, he I love those that. A lot. I, yeah. I love That's one of my favorite subjects. It's um, reflection on tubas. And actually, it was <laughs> my subject for, I painted the, 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 the official, uh, uh, French Quarter Fest poster, uh, in right, 20, cool. 2016, and it was a big reflection on, on, uh, Suzaphone like that. And I, I love that because it's like, uh, two paintings in one, because you have a scene in the instrument itself, and uh, then you have the music scene. So, oh, I love, I love to paint reflections. And I like, well, I love the Jazz Fest, but, you know, to be truthful, it's very expensive. And we have all kinds of festivals. I just went to uh, Satchmo Fest at the old Mint, uh, at the corner of the French Quarter in uh Yes, I was there. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I saw pictures, but I don't think we were there at the same time. But yeah, <laughs> And then the French Quarter Fest, and a lot of these are free. Like, you just walk in or maybe pay yeah. a nominal amount. But I, I know there's some stuff on the street with the French Quarter Fest. It's free because I went through it a couple of years ago, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's... there's um, there, there's a lot of music there all the time. All I was the trying time. to ask you, ask you about the food, because again, um, we do have French restaurants, but uh, and French influence on our cooking. But I imagine it's somewhat different just because of all the other cultures that have had a hand in the pot over the centuries. <laughs> it. Uh it reminds me, first, a, a, a lot of the names for the food are French, huh? like étouffé, like, uh, yeah. there's a lot of French names. And, um, I made étouffé last week. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but it's what you can find, in my opinion, huh? in, in the French, uh, no, in the, like Galatois, Arnaud's, uh, Antoine, yeah. the, the classic restaurant, is like what it's like what you used to find in the French restaurant 50 years ago. <laughs> right. Because it's it's a lot of oh, butter, a lot of fat, a lot. I think now in the French right. restaurant, I still rich, but they care more about like um, healthy stuff and. Uh, there was an evolution in the French, the French cooking, and it's still, in my opinion, um, all these classic restaurants are using the recipe from the old time in France, and which is okay. There probably people like that, but it's very, very, very rich. A lot, a lot of butter, a lot of. <laughs> well, um, you know, people in New Orleans, and frankly, tourists who also comes to those restaurants very conservative. So yes, there's a lot of resistance to taking something exactly. out of the menu, you know. Yes, yes, exactly, yes. Because they've got grandma's diary about this yes. very dish. <laughs> uh, exactly. And uh, the French scene is more creative now for, for mm -hmm. years and years. But uh, it's more... 
like we were talking about the New Orleans music, it's still moving. And here is like the French uh, cooking at Galatoire. And it's like stayed in um, like a museum. Like um, it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's not moving. <laughs> and there are other restaurants in New Orleans that are much more adventurous, you know, that yes. are these traditional ones that have been there for 150 years, and, uh, you know, people go there for that, you know, like, uh, I want my oysters Rockefeller when I go to uh, Antoine's, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. and, uh, yeah, and they'll be there, you know? Yes, yes, of course, of course, yes. Yeah, and like, that's another uh, part of the tradition. It's uh, uh, and I understand that people want to discover this part. I just, um, I, I, I just like being more adventurous and um, right, right, and, and creative <laughs> in that direction. So, um, do they make roux in France? Like that's kind of the starting point for a lot of Louisiana dishes. You know, take a cup of flour and a cup or half a cup, <laughs> however much, uh, equal amounts of oil and water, and you uh, cook it over a pretty high heat, stirring constantly until it, it's just the right shade of brown, however dark you want to take it. Yes. Is that so something that came from France? Oh, yes. But now we don't do that that much. We still, it's a base, but it's more like a grandma thing than... Uh, <laughs> Right, uh, right. Yes, yes, it's a base. Oh, yes, it, it, I guess it's from France, huh? Uh, but you literally can't eat New Orleans food without rubying in a lot of it. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, like, somebody posted a picture the other day on YouTube, like, oh, no, on Facebook, what am I making? And it was um, celery, onion, garlic, and uh, bell pepper. It's like there's no way to guess <laughs> because that is the beginning of, you know, there's so much so that there's a, a joke in town, first you make a roux, you know, that's yes. how you start cooking. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so, yeah, it is very much a, a living part of the local cuisine. <laughs> and yes, you, you're judged as a cook by your ability to make that roux because it, it, it is tricky the first time I, I wonder if it's if it's... Uh, localized to a certain region of France, too, because, I, you know, people from France obviously settled in New Orleans, but were they, I mean, were they from different regions? Were they all from the same region? I mean, I, I've never heard one way or the other, so I really don't know, uh, you know, what they were bringing to the city in terms of their food ways, okay. their dialect, yeah. everything else. Huh. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot more complex than what we think. Probably, uh, yeah. Um, yes, I... I, I I guess people were coming. There were a lot of people who came from Brittany because it's, you know, they are sailors, they, they travel a lot. But also uh, from the area I, I am in now in France, uh, uh, the Dordogne, uh, and I think the first mayor in New Orleans was from this area, and I think his name was, uh, is it Rufignac or Montignac? Uh, a name like that. And oh, is it Sazerac? Maybe. Uh -huh. And they, they created a cocktail from his name. Right. So 
Yes, so that's a, there's a lot of um, uh, people coming from this area, the Dordogne. And, well, and uh, according to local lore, the Cesar is the original cocktail, like every other cocktail came yeah. along uh, after this one. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I find I'm, them overly bitter myself. I, I like uh, sweet drinks with umbrellas and ice, you know, like... Preferably uh -huh. frozen, <laughs> like the frozen daiquiri. Yes. Yeah, on a day like this. Loop, there's the loop we can make is that um, um, the big city in my area in France is Perigueux, and we mm -hmm. have we have a festival. It, it was just finished like last week. The name is MNOP, which is Music New Orleans in Perigueux. And um, it's just New Orleans music, <laughs> and they serve a Sazerac, and so it's so it's very cool because um, for me, when I'm there in the summer, I see plenty of New Orleans musicians, Craig Klein, Erica Falls, so plenty, plenty of <laughs> New Orleans musicians. It's so it's so pleasant. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, New Orleans musicians love New Orleans, but they also love to travel. So I'm sure you Oh, and they love, it. yes, they love our, our small festival because it's like family. So they all want to, to go back. <laughs> right. So James, James well, Andrew came. Uh, oh, plenty of um, musicians around there because this festival exists for maybe 20 years or 25 years. Right, right. So it's pleasant. Uh, for French Quarter Fest, the manager of the festival, who is a friend of mine, Stéphane Colin, um, he comes to my place. We organize a, a party on my balcony with all the musicians who play or will play to the festival. So right. uh, cool. it's really, really cool. And um, I'm glad the, the balcony is strong enough because if the balcony was not, we would have lost all the best musicians in town. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> that's where they are, yeah. You can find yeah. really good quality music in the streets. Literally. Uh, well, and yeah, I do yeah. support it. I, I have a, an old friend. Actually, he shared the office with me in graduate school. Now now lives here in Ruston, and he's from the West Bank, but he's from yeah. Algiers. You know, the, the little you know snippet of New Orleans is actually you know on the opposite side of the river. And he was telling me about. He follows a lot of the of the bands that are from New Orleans, and a lot most of them are not traditional jazz bands. They're more like playing new, what a lot of people call New Orleans music. One of the bands is the Radiators, and he was oh. telling me they have a real a popular, uh, a real faithful fo uh, following, I, I guess I should say, where a lot of these uh, fans are people who went to New Orleans for college. You know, they mm -hmm. went to Tulane, they went to Loyola, they went to UNO, wherever, may maybe even Suno. And, oh. and when they graduated, they moved away, but whenever the Radiators blow into their towns, those people are there, along with more fans or, or oh. would-be fans. Yeah, because they're, again, what they do is they essentially expand their reach, you know, by yes, with the yes, old fans so bringing in new ones. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so it's a smart way to, you know, to, to expand your fan base. And I'm yes. sure and I have, musicians uh, are doing the same thing, you know. I have uh -huh. my two-lane students in the French Quarter playing music just for their kind of weekend job because uh, they're musicians, so they want to, you know, go out there and, you know, 
probably a little of it's getting a little bit of money, but I'm sure a lot too is just being part of the scene uh, yes. up there. Well, Isabel, this has been a great talk. Thank you so much it's for coming on our podcast. And I, I look forward to meeting you in person. I, I want to come down there and look at your, uh, look at your uh, 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 studio, studio art. Yes. Okay, thank you. It was a pleasure. I hope oh, I you for joining. not too strong and you understood everything. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Good. Well, and it's good to hear a French, you know, accent in Louisiana. It makes me feel oh. like I'm in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just tell people who are listening to us that they can follow my Facebook page or my yeah, Instagram yeah. account. It's just my name, Isabelle Jacopin, and um, it will be a, 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 a new way to make you friends and, um, yes. and to contact and can... me if you want to visit the studio. Just you, you have to contact me before so because it's, it's not a shop. So, but you will be happy once you are here because it's a real studio. Of course. <laughs> And it's right near the uh, Rouse's supermarket, right? Exactly, absolutely. Right, well, thank you, and best wishes for your uh, uh, continued career. I'm looking forward to seeing next videos that you post to uh, people. <laughs> you thank take care. you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> You're thank welcome. You. Bye. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. I want to thank Isabel for coming on our podcast and uh, talking to us about her art and about, you know, her life. It's, uh, and the, the kind of, you know, some people wind up in the French Quarter uh, and they basically want it to be Savannah, right? Because when they start showing up at the, um, <laughs> the city uh, hall demanding that uh, there be less noise and not so much stuff on the street. Why are you blocking the street off so I can't drive? I mean, well, yeah, it's a pedestrian area. You know, you want your tourists to be walking and you want it to be noisy and uh, boisterous because that's why they have the French Quarter. And, uh, yeah, and, but she's there and she loves it. You know, she's just kind of that, that she's in her happy place. So. Yeah, it's part of that street culture like you were saying. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, for the Louisiana Anthology Podcast, I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. We certainly want to thank Isabel for joining us this week. Uh, we do ask if you are in New Orleans, if you're interested uh, in seeing some of her work, she does have a studio. And so you can go to her studio. <laughs> you can hang. Do you know what, where the location again is for that, for that studio? Um, I don't know the exact address, but it's, a couple, and it's under Jacopin, uh, J-A-C-O-P-I-N, but... It's only a couple of doors down from the Rouse's on um, on a Royal Street, and uh, kind of behind the, the the cathedral. If you just look around that area, she's right there. So she's definitely very accessible. So do yeah. you know if you are interested in art, or also just in in her uh, takes on things, she's really really interesting you know to chat with in terms of culture and so forth. So again, if you are in the area, do do stop in and and, and look over her uh, her uh, gallery, and also buy some of her you know paintings. Or if she's got, I don't know if she's got prints or not, but if she does, you can certainly you know maybe pick up one of those for yourself or somebody else. So again, thanks, Isabel, for for joining us this, uh, this week. We also want to thank all of you for listening in, and we hope that you'll join us for next week's edition of the Louisiana Anthology Podcast. Bye for now.